0: This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley.
1: And now, your host, Trey Harris. about a telepod sandwich, booger lips? That's what Ernest P. Worrell would say if he were here, which he would have been in 1989 when the movie we're talking about today comes out, came out, because we're talking about The Fly Part 2. I am your host, of course, the host with the most, Trey Harris, with me as always. The fly in my telepod, Jesse Sedgley. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yes, I am. <laughs> Whatever. I'm going to make it work somehow. Yes. As our, this is our third episode, should have been the fourth, but thanks the thanks to the Echo Soad, we're on number three for Halloween Hootenanny right. of horror this year as we talk about sequelitis, And this week, we, uh, <coughs> I forget what I said last week or what I put on Instagram. Let me see. Is that but the princess? It sure is. Princess <laughs> Vespa <laughs> yeah. for uh, Twitch Watch <laughs> viewers. Yeah, but let's see. There was a condition that I put for this one, and it is. Oh wait, sequel. Blah blah blah. Maybe I didn't put it on here. Never mind. He's daddy issues. That's what I put. Has daddy issues. <laughs> yeah, because of course his father was Seth Brundle, aka Jeff Goldblum. Oh okay. aka Brundlefly. So, yeah, The Fly 2, let's get moving on. It came out February 10th, 1989. IMDb says it's a 5.0. Rotten Tomatoes crucified it at 27% critics and 23% audience. Couldn't find any information on an estimated budget or anything. However, it did open did open at six point seven million, which was good enough to make it number one for the week. Uh, it was a light weekend though that week. Uh, Rain Man was in its ninth week; it was number three, and the schwarzenegger devito classic Twins was in week number uh, ten, uh, ten, and it was open. Uh, God, if I could talk, uh, was at number seven <laughs> for the week. Uh, domestically, The Fly Two would go on to gross twenty million dollars worldwide, another eighteen, giving it a grand total of thirty eight million. So I would assume. In 1989 dollars, the budget was not 38 million, so it was a success. So I'm surprised yeah. we didn't see a fly three uh, in the early 90s. Couldn't find any information on the rentals, however, so but I know it you know probably probably add another couple million at least to that. Uh, this was directed by Chris Wallace, W-A-L-A-S, not W-A-L-L-A-E, W-A-L-L-A-C-E, So I'm not sure if that's how he pronounces it or not. Or just Wallace. Maybe. <laughs> But I'll say Wallace. 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 Uh, but he's mainly a special effects guy. He actually won an Oscar for the original Fly, well-deserved. Uh, and he also, directing-wise, didn't do much else. Uh, he did do one episode of Tales from the Crypt, however. Uh, written by the great Mick Garris, Critters 2, Amazing Stories, and one of my wife's favorite Halloween movies, Hocus Pocus, which they're apparently making a sequel to on Disney Plus now. Mm. According to the internet, uh, also it took four people to write this film, but uh, really an all-star cast in terms of writers. You got Mick Garris, Jim and Ken Wheat, who also wrote most notably for me. He walks the battle for indoor Nightmare Four, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Four, that is, and the Chronicles of Riddick series. Which, aside from the last one, simply titled Riddick. Uh, of course, don't pitch black. Which that only leaves two: Pitch Black and mm-hmm. Chronicles mm-hmm. of Riddick. I yeah. thought those two were absolutely fantastic. And I was so excited to see Riddick, and then I watched, I was like, no, nah, they, they, they fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> they made it a little too fast and furious, I guess. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, also, in rounding out this all-star team of writers, veteran of the podcast, Frank Darabont, Nightmare 3, The Blob, Shawshank, Green Mile, and The Mist. He wrote all those, as well as directed the latter three. He's a big Stephen King fan and adapter, <laughs> so to speak. Yep. It's a great success to be perfectly honest. Uh, and, of course, helped bring The Walking Dead to TV as well. Uh, cinematography for this was done by Robin Vidi vigion uh, He also did Hellraiser 1 and 2, or as Word corrected it to Hellraiser Half, Nightbreed, and The Neverending Story 3, which I've never seen. <laughs> One's enough for me, and I've unfortunately seen yeah, the second existed. one twice. Yeah, I thought it was a TV series, not an actual, like, seriously, th- or, you know, full-on third entry into the series, so... I don't know. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Uh, and The Fly too, starring the first fly, the first McFly, Eric Stoltz <laughs> as Martin Brundle. Watch our, or listen to our episode for Back to the Future Part 1 to hear about that, because I don't remember it either. Uh, but he was also in Mask, uh, Pulp Fiction, like I mentioned, the OG Marty McFly. But most notably, to me, he was the lead scientist in the classic Anaconda. The one who gets the uh weird bug in his throat or something somehow why he's has a regulator in his mouth. Mm. Uh, but anyway, also starring the lovely Daphne Zaniga, I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it as Beth. Of course, her claim to fame. The second you see her in this, you'll recognize her as Princess Vesa from, Vespa from Spaceballs. That's what I did. Exactly. Point proven. But also, she apparently did a lot of TV, especially some long stints in Melrose Place and One Tree Hill, which I've never seen. And she was actually suggested to the director, Wallace, by none other Gosh. than the great Mel Brooks himself because of her performance in Spaceballs. Nice. And apparently, she killed the audition. And she was pretty good in this, but I can't look at her without... Yeah. Just seeing her screaming about a gigantic hair dryer. You <laughs> know, she like, can't live she without that her. wedding dress. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Lee Richardson was Bartok. He was also in The Exorcist 3 and for the second time in Halloween Horror, a veteran of the film Prizzy's Honor. And also he was the narrator in the great 80s film Network. Uh, Frank Turner is Dr. Shepard. He was also in uh, Look Who's Talking Now and Needful Things, speaking of Stephen King. Mm. And also the first... Not so good, Ernest movie with Ernest Rides Again, the fifth entry in the series, and where the series really just started falling down a hill. <laughs> Continuing with uh, Ernest Goes to School, Slam Dunk Ernest, Ernest in the Army, Ernest Goes to Africa, and then that was it. Yeah. Never Got Ernest Goes to Crystal Lake. Uh, Never Got Ernest Meets the Avengers. That could be a fan made film. Absolutely could. Ernest Goes John to Cena, Crystal Lake. I'm telling you, John Cena needs to be the new Ernest. Uh, <laughs> He looks like yeah. Ernest, and, it'd be, how, and, he's, and he's so big. John Cena with that haircut that he has now, where he actually has hair. I swear, and I, he, could, he has those—he has that kind of like rubbery face. <laughs> oh, there you go. Point—the internet's already okay. proven it for me. That is Ernest. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. It works. I, he could, I, I believe he could pull it off.
0: Of course, you know, they would try to turn it to, oh, this is
1: his son or something. Even though, yeah, like, like, your dad was a great man. Yeah. I don't believe it. He maybe it was a He has to accept, you know, he doesn't wear the hat or the vest. And in the end, it's like, through the montage from Commando, like, <laughs> 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 something like that. And
0: show John Cena.
1: Wow. I mean, it, it's high time for an earnest reboot. Uh, That's I all I'm John saying. John Cena fails in Hollywood so he can. <laughs> Come do Come our do stupid our...
0: little movie. Well, as soon as I win the
1: lottery. Yeah. <laughs> that's project number two. Yeah. The Ernest Returns. Ernest goes to Crystal Lake. Pretty much. Get Kane Hodder <laughs> back as Jason. People will love it. See, and that's another one, too, with Mike Rowe. I thought the same thing, because Mike Rowe would literally would dress like Ernest. Yeah. <laughs> On Dirty Jobs, you have the hat. Yeah, sometimes you'd have the vest. So he was a shoe-in <laughs> at one point, too, but I think... Uh, Obviously, that's proven the picture. Right, <laughs> that, A picture speaks a thousand words, so pictures. I don't need to say anything else. Point proven. Uh, Anne Marie Lee was Dr. Janeway, and all she ever did was miscellaneous TV. Uh, although watching this film is like, she looks so familiar, but nope, I ain't seen her in jack shit aside from this. Uh, Gary Chalk was Scorby. Dude has over 400 IMDb credits. Uh, he was in the IT TV series. Tons and tons of TV cartoon voice work. Everything from Street Sharks to Exo Squad. He was uh, also the Sheriff in Freddy versus Jason. He's done a ton of stuff. Yeah. You have seen something that he's done. His page has taken a while to load. Yeah, that tells you... I mean, I know 400, that's more than, I think, Harry Dean Stanton. Wow. So, actually, 406 credits jump to Harry Dean Stanton, if you don't he has, mind. He has a title coming out in 2026.
0: Was that that... Oh, uh, Persephone.
1: Wait, is that that John Malkovich movie that wasn't supposed to be released for like 30 years or something? Is that what it is? I don't no, know. No, it's not.
0: No, this well, is just someone who really is taking their time.
1: Hmm. Uh, who am I looking up? Uh, look up uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Right. Rest in peace. I don't know. He has All like right. a... Well, his he does. Is he fast? Have 203. 203. So uh, Gary Chalk... Doubled it. Now, for an actor, now I know Hitler has a lot because they have to credit yeah. him for archival footage. True. But in terms of just an actor, that's probably one of the highest I've ever seen. Actors that aren't Hitler? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he does pretty well. Yeah. And still, work, he has worked consistently, which uh, when I was reading that, like looking it up, I was like, hey, the guy, he looks familiar. Like I've seen him in something. Yeah. But I mean, he's tons and tons of voice work. I mean, if you watch any cartoons in the 80s or 90s, you've heard Gary Chalk's voice. And it's really funny because he actually spells his name like G A R R Y, so it's Harry, but with a G. Right. As opposed to like, you know, the the normal spelling of Gary, so to speak, with one R. Like, you don't spell Harry with H A R Y. Like, Harry. Probably just easy to say, Gary like Harry. Or maybe, like, maybe there was already a Gary chalk and he wanted to, like, you know, Hollywood rules, you got to differentiate it a little bit. Or uh, SAG rules, I should say. And then rounding out the cast, the only returning cast member from the original Fly, John Getz a Stathis, reprising his role. He's also in Blood Simple and Curly Sue. Mm-hmm. Uh, another character actor, him, uh, him as well. Yeah. He's got a good number, 131 credits, so <clears throat> we've seen him and stuff for sure. Now, of course, we're talking about sequelitis. Fly Two, sequel to the Fly, one of the best remakes ever made bar none one of the best uh, practical effects showcase films for practical effects in the history of film Uh, you know came out right around the time of the thing as well so uh, iconic on multiple levels Uh, the original fly I mean probably arguably Cronenberg's best uh, just an absolute geniusly made film and this film pretty much I hate to sound like a broken record this year for Halloween horror but this is another film where you have a lot of good talent and it just doesn't come together as good as it could have. Uh, this film's a slow burn. Hmm. Uh, now I will say this: the last act of this film makes up for it being slow, because that's that's when we get full on fly. Now, of course, in the original fly, it's right there at the very end, where you know the famous iconic scene: you know Davis has her hand in his mouth and pulls it away, and his whole face, Jeff Goldblum's face, just falls off, and he's fully you know, full feet fly out. Right. And this one we see when Martin flies out, it's for a good 20 minutes at the end of the movie. Everything's practical. There are some creepy ass scenes in this film. And if any, if anybody saw this film as a child, the first thing that you should remember that affected you the most should be the dog. Because even watching it today, I'm a dog. I know you're a dog guy too, even though you got two cats. Uh <laughs> I am a I'm a I'm a I am a hundred percent a dog person. And as a kid, the thing that always stuck with me on this film was the uh, the whole issue with the dog. Have you seen the first one? You know they test the telepods on animals that you know you know what happened. Well, in the first one, the baboon turns inside out, and in this one it's a little more horrific. And then of course, again, now we're getting into spoiler territory as well. This is another one though, much like uh Fright Night, well, Fright Night 2, you don't, you know, isn't, I wouldn't say a must see. It's entertaining for the cast. But uh, like Psycho 2, if you haven't seen The Fly 2, go watch it, come back and listen to the rest of it or watch the rest of it on Twitch, whatever you want to do. Because spoilers start now, you've been warned. Mm -hmm. So the dog, it turns out, you know, uh, Bartok tells Martin, oh, yeah, we killed the dog, put it out to misery, don't want to suffer. You know, uh, I say years later, but literally just a couple of years later, because Martin has an accelerated, he has the reverse Benjamin Button syndrome uh so he's aging fast so he's technically only five years old at the end of this movie uh but he's a super genius and he's eric stoltz but anyway so he finds out you know they lied to him they kept the dog kept it alive suffering puts the dog out of his misery but as a kid like oh my god it's the dog like oh the dog's alive like and then he kills it like oh no you killed the dog as a kid couldn't wrap my head around the entire concept of mercy killing you know like basically putting it to sleep so to speak which i've had to do that twice that is the worst Thing and that is the absolute worst thing I've ever had to do in my entire life was For make the decision. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I do it to people all the time, I don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Kevorkian <laughs> Jr., uh, but you know, that's one of the worst things. And then as a kid, that, that always stuck with me. And then you get to the last 20 minutes where there are, I'd say, two of the most visually horrific deaths and that I could think of off the top of my head. If I did, i do a top lift, top 10 list of the most horrific deaths in any film. One of them would definitely be the when the dude gets the uh, fly goose spit in his face, uh, which is absolutely, watching it, it holds up so well. It's absolutely terrifying. Imagine the scene from Poltergeist where the dude's ripping his face off, except the dude's screaming the whole time, falls to the ground. It's still burning his face. And this is going on for like minutes in the film. So his his backup comes in like, oh, we got a man down. If you watch him on the ground, he's still like breathing. The dude is still alive. His face is still like melting. It's horrific. Only to be beaten a little bit later on by Bartok's ultimate demise, where he gets transposed with Martin. uh, Because Martin figures out how to cure himself from the fly DNA by replacing good DNA with fly DNA. Or uh, basically teleporting with somebody else and just transferring the fly DNA. To the other person. And this is the scene right here that we're watching. So if you're if you're uh if you don't like gore, you need to turn away. Because <laughs> there, here it comes. Rips his fucking face off. <laughs> That's and pretty it just cool. It, I mean, practice and again, like falls to the ground shaking. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's it's bad. It's I mean, it, it, it is a horrific death. And then between Bartok's okay. death and this dude's death, somebody gets his head flat out crushed by an elevator, and they show it. <laughs> And it's just like, oh Jesus! You know, <laughs> they do the classic movie trope of like, shot of the elevator coming down, shot of the dude, oh no, ah! Shot of the elevator coming down, and then usually you just hear, <laughs> nah. They got the fake head, a la the very film I'm represented on my shirt, The Toxic Avenger, <laughs> where the kid gets his head run over. Uh, just and it, it 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 looks fantastic. And when I I by by fantastic, I mean it looks and here it is, it looks incredibly realistic well e- well edited because it's edited so fast and quick that like you don't even get a chance to see the fake yet. it's just <laughs> immediately and she's like that's exactly how I imagine people are just oh
0: my god
1: and uh if I had i mean uh, to nitpick the the effects at the end one thing about the first one that's so just like cuz it's all about body horror This series is about body horror in you know, the first one he slowly you know his body his fingernails are falling off all that horrific stuff for in this one, it happens pretty quick. It's almost like just a couple a day or two. He's, he's he ends up in a, he cocoons like an insect, and then comes out in full fly form. Uh, but he's dry, like mm-hmm. a, he kind of like see. He almost looks a little more alien esque, not the movie Alien, but just like uh, typically when you see like an eighties Alien movie, the aliens are just dry; they're not like gooey or wet. Uh, whereas in the original one, I mean, he's like just disgusting and slimy and. Not that flies are technically slimy, but I mean he looks more, a little more like a monster. I get like yeah. a, a you know a, a creature feature, which I mean technically it is, but he looks a little more like that as opposed to a fly. Again, yeah. scientifically, flies aren't gooey, but it just it just looks it doesn't look nasty like it didn't like Brundlefly did in the first one. But again, if you are a gorehound, the last twenty minutes of this movie delivers in spades. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's just like, I mean, of course, we're spoiling it here. So if you haven't seen it in a while, you're obviously seeing it. But uh, and also this side of the Giver, if you haven't seen the Giver, you should check it out. Mark Hamill has a horrific death in that film. Bartok's probably right up there with it because he gets transposed into the fly, uh, but not like the fly that we see. Martin, you know, to where he could be a superhero or a supervillain, you know, right. running around killing people, but more like, kind of like the dog was earlier, because it it all harks back to that, to where basically Bartok now and now they keep him in a pit, like and feed him slop. They keep him, they they keep him alive to study and everything, so he gets a fate far worse than death. Uh, but again, if you've seen this movie on TV, you missed all the money shots. <laughs> Uh, the first time I saw this film was on TV. And like, again, the dog thing is what's always stuck with me when I got older. And like, you know, when you get older, when there comes an age like, oh, I'm only seeing the TV version of this. I want to see the, the real version. Had you know, like same thing with RoboCop. First time I saw RoboCop was on TV, saw it a few years later on VHS for the first time. Like, oh my God, I had no clue bodies exploded like that until I saw <laughs> RoboCop. But here's like the emergency, like that is horrific, that is disgusting. But then he just become, you know, we took a shower between the cocoon and the murder spree. But again, that's just a nitpick. I mean, this again, this film is a slow burn. So you're watching it. And, you know, there's there's some there's some romance thrown in there. You know, it's all for character development, which is fun. Uh, the first one did the same thing, but you're watching him devolve piece by piece, literally in the first movie uh in throughout the throughout the entire runtime for the most part. I mean after he teleports, it's like, oh he gets the hair on his back, he gets the strength, uh, you know, he starts getting the skin condition. You know, it's it's you're just watching it every minute it goes by in the movie, it's a little more progressive. In this one it's like, oh by the way, you know who your father is now and it's like the second they tell him who his father is, he's like, No And he starts flying like becoming the fly practically almost. <laughs> uh like just like It's almost like he's again. He ages fast, so he's like five years old. So it's not—it's not even like puberty or anything. He just oh, you're five, and oh, you know your father is. Oh damn it, I gotta find a way this for this to work. Oh shit, now I'm a fly. No, like there's no real like trigger uh, thing. Oh, and oh, the uh, fly birth. Of course, they have it in the. uh, I think it's a deleted scene. No, it was a nightmare in the original. Uh, And then they go full on like showing the birth and everything in this one. So. And of course, if you have ever seen, you know, a, you know, if you ever have, if you had to have a child or in the room when it happened, uh, my wife had a C-section. That was horrific enough. And just, <laughs> I couldn't imagine them pulling Violet out, and it's like this cocoon thing. and They cut it open, and then it's a baby yeah. inside. Like, what the hell is that? <laughs> so, and this is the mercy killing scene right here. Which again, the child of me was just like, no, like, just so sad by this movie. Yeah. And again, like, if you ask most people, you ask if they saw this when they're kids. Most of them will probably remember the dog thing. Yeah, I uh, mean, my best friend Jason, like when, when we were kids, we were like, you ever seen the fly? Yeah, oh, yeah. The second one, man, the dog. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. man. Don't bring. You know, it's like we bonded over the, the fact the that dog. we both hated the dog, you know, the dog scene. And it was just so uh, affecting for a young, uh, young person. Now, of course, had I had I seen the, fil- the actual version as opposed to the TV version. Right. It'd been all this shit was like, oh, God, because <laughs> again, like that is I mean. First of all, like what a practical effect! Yeah, this—I mean, t- this movie was '89. This is 2019. This movie's 30 years old. That looks better than anything in it. Chapter two, <laughs> even he does. Wow, <laughs> for the most part, <laughs> that's a little stretch. Yeah, that's... a little bit because obviously Maybe in some scenes. Yeah, absolutely. No CG, looks fantastic. Uh, you know, cinematographer wasn't the best. You know, they should have got Dean Cundy, Would have looked fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but again, uh, talking about like like I mentioned, like you know, just like Psycho 2, you got a lot of really good pieces. But I think the you know you had a first time. I think it was this was his first feature. You have a special effects person doing the directing. Not that that's always a bad thing. Yeah, you know, I would have preferred a DP maybe having their first film directing it maybe because if you, the first fly Cronenberg's a master of especially body horror type stuff, just making you feel uncomfortable. Watching The Fly One, I still watch it and get like, ugh. Hmm. It's, just, it's, it's just so well done. Di- directing wise, not so much. The same complaint with Psycho 2. And honestly, Fright Night 2 was pretty much around the same thing. This should have been sequelitis, bad directors. <laughs> or, you know, these films need better directors. Because, you know, you got to be a little, he, I mean, and, and it's special effects. So he knows what, what he can shoot, and that's apparent. But I think he shows a little too much. Yeah. When you see the when you see Martin fly, um, or I mean I guess he's Brundle Fly two pointer walking, you can obvious you know, every shot's low. You always you know it's somebody, you know, with the big basically puppeteering the the feet. So it looks a little muppety sometimes. But I'm not gonna that's that's a because, I mean again it's it's practical effects. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is practical. That's a dude in makeup. That's uh Bartok's fate at the end, and yeah. that's what he's stuck as for the rest of his life however long that might be. So again, like horrific, like uh, for him. I mean, deservedly. So he's the villain. They make you want him to be this way. And the film really tries to like have emotional connections with the characters, which good try. You didn't succeed. Cause again, mm-hmm. I, I care more about the, the little mom with the kid and the dog is where is where the emotion is in this film. But I mean, it could have been because it, his real father's Jeff Goldblum, but then Bartok in the beginning is all like, I'm your father. I love you. I mean, you, you have to save it for your safety. You know, parts you, you know, you can see where they were trying to go to have that. Like, that should have been a big thing. When it turns out his plan was nefarious for him. Like, you know, we're going to keep you here. You're going to fix this. You're going to make this teleportation thing work. And and I'll, I'll give Wallace credit. This last shot, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Focuses on a fly on the food bowl. Great little end right there. But again, like uh, the effects. You know, just because you know how to shoot them, you still need to know. You don't want to let all of the the you news. Know, you don't want to show everything just because you can. The thing, a lot of thanks to John Car the masterful, John Carpenter and Dean Cundey. It's lit well enough. You know, you see just what you need to see. We don't need to see him like in every scene. It's like seeing the shark. If you saw the shark in Jaws from the very beginning, it loses its, loses its impact in that scene where it, uh, well, it first fully comes out of the water. And when then when it attacks the uh, well, actually, the first, actually the first thing where you actually really get a good look at it when uh, it attacks the uh, sc- uh, scout, I will say boy scout, whatever they were, they don't really say, but, I'm, but basically the, the dude in the red rowboat, right? Like, hey, what you doing over there? Makes his leg like— off. Outdoorsman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they were like, I think, well, I think they were scouts. Cause they said, "There's, there's boy, yeah, it's boy scout. Yeah, he's a boy scout leader, troop leader, I guess you call him. Uh You know, but you don't. You know, and Spielberg had to do that because he couldn't show the shark because it wasn't working. But as he claims I had to be Hitchcockian because Hitchcock didn't doesn't you know that, that's one thing he got from Hitchcock. You don't need to show your you know don't, you don't show your cards until you're ready to show them. Mm-hmm. You got to get that imp, you got to get that moment from the audience. And this does when he pops out, but then it's just like okay, you see him now. We're showing him the whole time. Whereas in the original flights, you know, slow decomposition so to speak, big reveal, and then that's only the last ten minutes of the movie. If that you don't even I mean, he's he he's revealed Barson Stannis's hand and foot, pretty much, and then. Basically, gets merged with the machinery. Comes out. She shoots him in the story. That's you see that you you saw what you needed to see for the story. And this one, he's running up walls, hiding solid snake style in the air vents, all that kind of stuff. You don't really need to see that. And I think that's a director issue. You know, you didn't just again just because you can show it, you don't need to show it. Right. That you lose suspense. Not that this is a suspenseful movie, but uh, you know. Again, I think It's that, a flaw in storytelling. Yeah, I would say so. That's a very good way, perfect way to put it. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't agree with a, fi- I mean, uh, All Right on Tomatoes, 27%, 23% audience, because first of all, I think Street Fighter, Van Damme Street Fighter is one of the greatest films ever made. So you really <laughs> can't trust my opinion anyway if you, if you think that film's not fantastic. Uh, right up there with Con Air as uh, masterpieces of acting.
0: According to IMDb demographics, there's one female that is under 18 that gave this movie a one. That's the only person, the only one person, <laughs> Probably somebody from under PETA. 18, that's female, gave it a one.
1: That's hilarious. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen like just a woman. I there's a total of... The, there's
0: 15 different stats here. Like, for example... I mean, there's, there's over 50,000 votes and one person in that... Like yeah. the, the, the well, next, on this one, there's only... <clears> oh, yeah. Is it 50? Yeah, well, yeah, well, that's all ages. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, you're right. I'm just kind of adding up some part. of the numbers.
1: There's thousands ballpark. of votes.
0: Yeah. So, but only one person that's that female under under 18. That's a beautiful and unique snowflake. And only eight males under 18 that watch this movie, graded a 3.9.
1: They're probably all watching it with that one female. And she so was like, kids don't like it. <laughs> and she was like, oh. She's like, I don't like this movie. And there's like, and they're all trying to date her. So, like, yeah, we don't like it either.
0: <laughs> and they'll rate it low. Well, the highest one was a seven amongst those dudes.
1: Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I would say that's fair. For the most part, I mean, it's, again, it's not a bad movie. If you like the first one, it's a it's a worthy sequel for the most part. Uh, again, you know, after you've seen it once, you kind of want to want it to get to the good parts. It's like I've seen Titanic once. If I ever watch it again, which I obviously will, I mean, I have a daughter; she's going to want to watch Titanic. Uh, you know, I'll play on my phone for the first two hours, <laughs> and then once I hear iceberg dead ahead, then I'll put my phone down and pay attention because that's when. That's, that's why I went to see a movie in the theater called Titanic. Not for, you know, draw me like one of your French girls, uh, which was two hours of the movie. And then, you know, you get to the, the stuff you want to see. But nevertheless, made a shit ton of money. Stevie so what do I know? shots. What do I fucking know? Not a, nothing about that, at least. But anyway, uh, bottom line, good film. Not, you know, again, I've said it said again like 20 times. That's the word of the day. The word of the day, kids, is again. Yep. Anyway, you said anyway. No, I'm not kidding. I probably have. Yeah. I, I just get those. T- I get those vocal ticks. Yeah. If you listen to the podcast. Just listen to an episode. There'll be one word I'll probably repeat about ten times because I just get it in my head to say it and it just stays there. No. Again, anyway. Again, anyway. <laughs> as I said earlier, um, um, you yeah. know. All those kind of <laughs> things. <laughs> yes. Count them Vis-a-vis, up. Vis-a-vis. Like the architect from the Matrix are saying common repeated words. <laughs> but hey, well, as I was saying, <laughs> I was saying <laughs> let me pull up thesaurus to app. continue. Moving forward. <laughs> this has been thesaurus, the thesaurus minute on 80s Revisited. Uh but a uh, great uh, good film again uh, ah, see now, now I'm thinking about it so every time I'm about to say it it's, been, ah, it's making me like freak out like don't say again again or yet again do not say again
0: No, wow uh, just know <laughs> listeners that uh, you're gonna get some agains here
1: I'm gonna do my best to well, not say gonna, the A yeah, word that's fine as I was saying it's not a ba- much like Psycho 2 and Friday Night 2 you, sequelitis is technically a real thing Like in in the film Mm -hmm. industry, there's not many films out there. Oh, let me rephrase that. It's not the norm for sequels to be better than the original. Uh, Historically, let's say it that way. Uh, Jaws. Don't even try to tell me one of the sequels is better. (laughs) Uh, Now, of course, you get series like Terminator, uh, Indiana Jones, which is arguable. Uh, Star Wars, you know. uh, Aliens. Absolutely. Well, see that that's very you know that's another like that, nobody's debating three or four, or right. five or six now. There everybody's debating one or two, you know. So there's a lot, there's a lot of good debates out there. I'd say Mad. I mean Mad Max Fury Road blows away any of the old Mad Maxes, and I love the I love the Road Warrior, but Fury Road just best action movie that came out since T two in my opinion. And of course the horror franchises Friday the Thirteenth aside from Halloween, but still there are some people that think Halloween two is way better than Halloween. Yeah but as a whole you know historically all oh, the sequels never as good as the original that's mostly true mm-hmm. until you get to those series that actually have you know you have had ma- you know James Cameron made Terminator 1 he knew what to do. He, he knew he knew what to where he had to go with Terminator 2 to make a good sequel as opposed to what they did with Terminator 3 4 Genesis do I even need to mention it uh But actually, you know, looking at all these, it's like, you know what? There are actually a lot of really good (laughs) sequels that are really better. Uh, scrolling through a list of sequels. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a couple here. I
1: mean, there's a lot. I mean, there really is a lot. Terminator 2 is always at the top of the list. Yeah, it absolutely should be. Yeah. But, I mean, if somebody says they like Terminator 1 better, I'm not going to argue with them. Because, I mean, that's a valid valid answer. Same thing with Alien or Aliens. Well, it depends. Do you like a horror movie or do you like an action movie? One of those is not like the other. Uh, Star Trek, I can easily see that one because part one is so boring to me. Now, do I like two the best? No, I'm more of a next-generation guy. But uh, let's see, good sequels that are still The Raid 2. yeah.
0: Finding Dory. Kill Bill Volume 2. These are sequels that were still worse than the original. Scream, Scream two, 2, definitely. But I mean, Scream two, the other ones are...
1: I don't care about The Bourne. Blade Runner, twenty forty nine. Eh, I mean, it's, it, you can't compare you can't compare that one to the original because when like much like just sequ- if, even if a sequel to Jaws was good, it's never going to be as good as the original. Like, period. That's an iconic film. Blade Runner is an iconic film. Like, that is probably one of the most. If you had to make a list of the most iconic films in Hollywood history that have influenced more films than any other, Blade Runner would probably be at the top of the list, if not number two or three. But off the top of my head, it's probably influenced more films and more pop culture, more video games, and more anything else than anything I can think of. Now, I don't know how many shark movies there are in total to, to compare them, because there's a shit ton. Uh, now, I put a picture of the Fly when they're talking about the Fly too. Well, these are um, worst movie sequels of all time. But see, that's a picture from the next Karate Kid. That's a picture from. Oh, they use that's a screenshot from the original Fly. Well, who knows why. <laughs> Dumbasses! asses. I hate when I see that shit. No, yes. bullshit. Chronicles of Riddick, no. That's, much, that's an alien-aliens discussion there because Chroni- Pitch Black is a horror movie. Sci-fi horror. Chronicles of Riddick is a badass action movie. So you're getting two different things. Grease 2, absolutely. Caddyshack 2, absolutely. Blues oh, Brothers. God, yes. Blues Brothers 2000. <laughs> Let us not speak of that film. Jaws 3D. Yep. No, that was the third. But it's still better than Man, four. So right, I mean, that, that got worse, you know. But so, and honestly, we're kind of in a golden age of sequels right now. Because you look at the Marvel Cinematic Universe, right? I would say Guardians of the Galaxy two is better than the first one. I liked Ant Man, and no, I think I'd like Ant Man. What's better than Ant Man? Ant Man's underrated. Uh, Avengers. Obviously, Endgame is better than right. Age uh, Age of Ultron. I was going to say Age of Apocalypse. I wish, uh, maybe in ten years when they bring the X Men and the Probably MCU finally merge them together. Yep, uh, and you know just a lot of the uh, like. Now I think we're getting, we're in we're in an age where we're getting respectful sequels much like they did when, when we had the first Rocky sequel with Rocky Balboa. It was a sequel, but it was respectful of the original. Creed, er, one and two, were both respectful. They weren't just—of course, they, every, every, that's the thing people need to realize. Every movie that Hollywood makes or produces or that comes out has one intent. Not to like, oh, we want to make a sequel to this fan-favorite movie because these, yeah. these kids just love it. They, everything is made to make money. If it's not going to make money, they are not going to make it. We're getting not one, we're getting two Halloween sequels to the 2018 Halloween because it is the most profitable slasher of all time. Yeah. That is why. There is no other reason. Jason Bloom didn't go, you know what? We need another one. That nice. one was so good. I don't care if it makes nothing. We're getting another one. That's why we got It Chapter 2. Mm-hmm. They would not have made It Chapter 2 if It Chapter 1 bombed at the box office. Uh, Speaking of respectful sequels, I haven't seen it yet, but Zombieland Two, like ten years later, they're finally making a sequel. But from what I've seen, it's you know it's it's most the cast is returning, and I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure it's the same director and all that stuff. But I mean, you know, it's based on the trailer. I haven't seen it yet because I have a child, and it is the same director. And so I mean, obviously, I would assume you know they're they're taking the story where it needs to go. Uh, Will it be as good as the first one? I don't know. I haven't seen it. But again, like modern sequels, I think a lot of people learn from the mistakes or at least they know they know some of the common pitfalls of what not to do. Apparently that's not still not true for shark movies because we have 47 meters deeper or whatever the fuck that stupid thing's called that made a sequel to it, you know, because it still looks fucking dumb because no CG shark is scary. Bottom line, nobody learned from Jaws 3 I'm or 4. Paged. So stupid. 47 meters down
0: uncaged 5.1 5. 5.1 5. that's not very good uh zombie land had a 7.3 so which is pretty good well I mean, a five on imdb is not bad necessarily right the fly 2 has a five
1: yeah but i mean i don't know <laughs> i haven't if i had to watch either one or the other right now i'd watch 47 meters uncaged because i haven't seen it <laughs> No, I, will so i watch it the, eventually the kids under 18 do not like that movie so who's who's paying for these who's spending the money to pay for these sequels?
0: Apparently thirty to forty four.
1: My age group? Your age you group. fucking idiots. <laughs> oh wow. You're Females are over than this. forty-five gave it a six point four. No, I don't know any well, I know my mother and my mother in law and some other I'm a, a few people in that age group.
0: Fifth ten tens on there.
1: Those people are fucking stupid. Hey. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, there is no way. Yeah, to say a movie is a ten, have you seen it though? No, I promise you, <laughs> yeah. I will eat this hat if, I, if that movie is ten worthy to me. I like some bad movies. It, it might be, com- I might be completely entertained. Yeah, I might absolutely be entertained. But it's not Do, a I, 10. Go, do I think so? No, it's not a ten.
0: Yeah, never will be. You
1: know, I, I joke about how great Street Fighter is, but let's be honest, it's not a ten on the bad. So bad it's good or entertainment scale. Yes, absolutely, it's a ten. Hundred percent. Now, if I'm going to be critical and put in, you know, say that Street Van Damme Street Fighter is on par with John Carpenter's Halloween. A 3.9. That, now, see, street that needs fighter. to be reversed to a 9.3. Yeah. 3.9 <laughs> is, like, way too low for how hilarious that movie is. Yeah. I'm sorry. That movie is so... <laughs> I now, now, everybody listening and watching, I know the movie is not good. But it is... Any movie that can make... That can in, give you enjoyment... Obviously, it doesn't get... Well, 62,000 people. <laughs> Go to the demographics on that just real quick. All right. I mean, tangent. Sit. wow. Look how stacked that is. So, the people who have rated it the
0: highest are 18 to 29s. People younger than us have rated that... Maybe, what year did it come out? 1994. 90. That makes sense. They probably grew up on it. Yeah, which I did, so I saw it in the fucking theater. Yeah. And then I snuck into Hellraiser 4. <laughs> I mean, these kids were probably like 5 to
1: 7. That have been 14, so... And this was post Mortal Kombat. Oh no, yeah, Mortal Kombat was like I think right. Bo- it was around the same time. Uh, which one? Just see which one came out first, because I think I, I think they were kind of like maybe either maybe racing to the box office or Mortal Kombat beat it by a year. Um, Ninety five. Okay, yeah. So yeah. It was Street, they, they pushed out Street Fighter, and then when they knew Mortal Kombat was in, the, I knew it was like right by each other. I can remember which one came out first.
0: And we got another one coming, huh? Well, another Mortal Kombat movie. Yep, I'm excited. <laughs> Twenty twenty
1: one. I mean, after Armageddon, they can't. It can't get any worse, can it? <laughs> this is me knocking on wood. If you're listening, if you're watching. You can see it. But anyway, back to the tangent. Over tangent, closed. Okay, because we're talking about the fly too. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we were talking about the fly too. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, the first getting on to the trivia, uh, the first videotape, uh, that uh, of Seth Brundle where he's watching it is actually a deleted scene from the original, which is really cool. I always like uh, when they do stuff like that, uh, in a sequel because it's something you haven't seen, but so it's you're you're seeing it for the first time too, and it's not like they had to go back and pay Jeff Goldblum to put on that makeup again to film, like, yeah, so you gotta do this, so, yeah. so they they just had it. That's it. And, uh, you know, working with what you got, that's uh, because I think that's a when in a lot of the best movies out there John Carper's Halloween I'll go back to it perfect example Texas Chainsaw Massacre low budget movies most often horror movies because they don't have the biggest budget until you get to the it's of the world where you need a whole bunch of CG bullshit to get your point across uh, you know when you have a limited budget you have to work with what you have and I think that's what really proves a director's skill look at Halloween They had to basically paint leaves brown because they're filming in Southern California Mm -hmm. where the leaves don't turn brown (laughs) when they're filming. Dump them out on the street, pick them up between takes and reuse them. You know, and, and that's a budget saving thing. But I mean, all the different the camera techniques, everything. It's all like I have this much money. I have to make it work. You have that makes filmmakers get creative. And that's how you get amazing Things come from that yeah. when you have when you have you have to make I have a I I mean this is a horrible example you know MacGyver, you have to MacGyver it. that's a better example I got a paperclip, a uh, uh, empty Sprite bottle and a dog turd mm-hmm. I got to make a CD player out of this shit yeah <laughs> make it work you know and that's like I was saying that kind of proves or that shows skill uh, the uh, skill of filmmaking with it yeah no so it wasn't I was, I was assuming it was puppeteered but it's actually uh, Stilts, no well, hand stilts, and
0: hmm.
1: all that. So that's interesting, because the way it walks, it definitely looked like, you know, like the, the Muppet walk. Yeah, we're looking at a picture work. of the uh, the fly from this, but he's kind of hunched over on all fours. Uh, and if using you're poles on, for the hand, if you're on YouTube or Twitch, you can see this as well. So that's interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, this really pissed me off. The actual the original Telepod props from the original Fly were destroyed after filming. Nobody on the set was like, you know what? That's kind of fucking cool. I want to keep that. <laughs> and so they had to rebuild them, which is probably why the second telepod in this film has a door that doesn't have glass. When mm-hmm. the first one, they both they looked identical, uh, which is why when Jeff Gold... In the first one, that great jump scare where Jeff Goldman's looking into the, the pod for to see if the baboon survived, and all of a sudden the bloody inside-out hand flops against the glass. Ah! Yeah. Gross, scared, looks good. But the telepod design is iconic, and that just, you know... Of course, when you're you're making a movie, you don't know. But, I mean, if I was working on this movie, and obviously the budget that I'm responsible for paid for this shit, I'm going to put that in my garage at least, much like uh, the director from, I forget his name, Tom McLaughlin did with Friday the 13th, part six, kept a lot of the props and puts them out for Halloween. Listen to our Friday the 13th, part six episode for that. Uh, In some states, theaters playing the film actually had a nurse on hand for the audience's reaction to its content, which, again... The nurses had nothing to really do until the end, <laughs> unless people, unless PETA people really got offended by the dog scene. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's, that's more of an emotional thing. Cause you know, they, they do, they show the kid bonding with the dog as we're seeing now, visually, if you're watching it and then the whole pay, you know, that whole story, that's the emotional storyline of it. It's just like, poor puppy. It's like, know, it he just wants to be and the, the saddest. Oh my God. It gets me every time when he goes into the pit where he sees that the dog's been alive, and then when the dog sees him, because he was the dog he was nice to the dog as a kid, dog, the mutated dog's tail starts wagging. I'm sorry, that's that that's that for that scene at least, Wallace <laughs> knew like, okay, that's gonna get him. That's like you know that that that's thinking through every aspect of the scene because that is that's what dogs do. You know, if there's a dog that you see or you're familiar with, you know. And you haven't seen them while, well, of course they're like, they'll bark at you and like, hmm? Dog, you know, they'll have that moment of recognition that the growl goes away and the tail starts wagging. Yeah. Great little moment in here. And it, it ties that, it makes that emotional thing. Anybody it's a dog person, just like you know, punch right in the gut. So if you're a dog person and you haven't seen it, you might wanna, might wanna <laughs> skip it maybe.
0: Now you're originally
1: me instead. <laughs> yeah, or old yeller. <laughs> or what's another movie where the dog dies at the Cujo Cujo yes Beethoven's 7th or I don't know
0: Dog's Journey Dog's Way Home Dog Day Afternoon Dog Day Afternoon <laughs>
1: which has nothing to do with dogs <laughs> Dog Soldiers which is Halloween appropriate since it's about werewolves <laughs> movies where dogs die at the end that's a whole like that could have yeah. been a month here with yeah. Old Yellow no, Old Yellow was in the 60s so Dogma <laughs> what was the re- Reservoir Dogs Reservoir Dogs yeah <laughs> My favorite dog movie, Reservoir
0: Dogs. Uh, <laughs> Beethoven. Uh, what's another? Oh, the First one I called my was Isle of Dogs. Captain Dogs. Oh, yeah, Isla of Dogs. Which was fantastic. I oh, was trying to think of good ones. I thought we were just oh. naming dog movies. Uh,
1: oh. <laughs> Dodgeball, and underdog story. Oh. Nah, that see. doesn't work. That's a stretch. Uh, anyway, uh, they originally wrote the role for Eric Stoltz. Which is weird because they actually also offered the, or Josh Brolin auditioned, and then Keanu Reeves actually turned it down, which we all know exactly what would happen <laughs> when a telepod works. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> So, at least I didn't get Owen Wilson wondering, wow, wow. these telepods are just, wow. <laughs> I don't say wow that much, guys. Why is it a big issue? Wow, wow. And, of course, cut to the mic, the mega cut on YouTube of 45 yeah. minutes Owen Wilson saying wow in wow. all his films. Wow, I'm a fly. Wow. Uh, they also uh, nearly, uh, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. Vincent D'Onofrio was also uh, one of the choices for the role and his nearly cast, but his screen test didn't go well. But Eric Stoltz, again, they wrote it for him, but he didn't accept it at first. And then after I went through a couple of rewrites, he was like, oh, guess I'll do it since I got kicked off of Back to the Future and totally screwed over my career by not being Marty McFly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although this was usually whenever you see something in a film that looks purposeful in terms of like product placement, product placement by Taco Bell. That's a movie reference. If you get that, you win a no prize uh, but anyway, uh, there's a book when one of, when the child Martin is sneaking out of his room that's blatantly facing the camera. As in, like, this book is there for a reason. All right. So, obviously, as, as as a screen watcher, mm-hmm. like, oh, that book, The Shape of Rage. I wonder what that's about. So, of course, look it up. It was a book about the writings of films of David Cronenberg, who, of course, directed The First Fly. So it's sort of an in-joke, sort of, to him. Uh, Chris Wallace... He actually turned down doing the effects in *Gremlins* Part Two, the new batch, one of the a sequel that is arguably better than the original, depending on your taste. Yeah. Uh, to direct this film, so I'm not sure who. No, no information they possibly would have gotten had he not directed it, but they probably could have got somebody better, and it probably would have been a little bit better, as evidenced by he directed one episode of *Tales from the Crypt* after this, and that's it. So, yeah. that that speaks louder than I ever could. No offense to Chris Wallace, you made fantastic effects. Wallace. Stick with your effects because you got an Oscar for it. Stick with what you know. Much like Rob Zombie should. (laughs) <laughs> uh, there's, there's the one mention of him for this Rob episode. Rob every, every episode. <laughs> just stick that knife in just a little deep for each episode. <laughs> uh, but uh, let me see. In the film, Martin Brundle do his inherited mutant genes, ages a lot faster, which is, uh, in, in appearance, he's 20, but underneath he's a five-year-old boy. And that is a real condition. It's just a, genetic, a genetic disorder called Werner syndrome, which is unusual accelerated aging, Was also called progeria, or also I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right, but, you know, I just call it reverse Benjamin Button syndrome. All right. Because that's total bullshit. <laughs> we met in the middle. That movie was so stupid, by the way. I don't, we met in the middle? No, Benjamin Button. Oh, okay. Because, you know, because she's an old lady and he's a baby. Right, right, right. So. She was into it. <laughs> no, but I mean, the thing is, <laughs> she eventually has to watch a baby die of what? I mean, does he just mutate into a fetus outside yeah, the right womb right. and just like. What a horrible way to die. <laughs> it's like, does she, you know, at some point abort him? <laughs> I mean, I, but he's a, you know, he's a baby. It's like, of course, they don't go into that in the movie because it's <laughs> a drama. And it's sure. that's not, It's about how they're meeting, you know, like they say, we met in the middle or whatever. It's just. Oh, I don't even know what the tagline is. <laughs> I think, I don't know if that was a tagline or not. But when I saw that David Fincher was
0: directing, I was like, oh, there's got to be something fucking dark and twisted about it. Time is passing even backwards.
1: That's dumb. <laughs> movie was stupid. Budget of $150 million. Jesus Christ. You know how many Friday the 13th you could have made for that? We could have revitalized every Slasher series and made yeah. way more than that movie ever made. It won three Oscars. What did it win for? Like, serious, Like I'm, I'm, I'm. oh, makeup.
0: Uh, let's see. Best achievement in art direction. Makeup. Makeup.
1: Visual effect. Visual
0: that effect. makes
1: sense. All those things, yeah. Obviously, a DH Brad Pitt and all the CG stuff putting his face on old, actual old people's bodies nominee for everything else though no best picture actor
0: actress, God, directing no. screenplay cinematography editing costume design music
1: and sound mixing no
0: just that my opinion crazy.
1: overrated overrated just dumb and a stupid name the curious case of Benjamin Button that should be like a Tales from the uh, I'm sorry not Tales from the Dark Side but uh or The Crypt well, it could have been either one of those, I guess. But I was, what I was trying to say was, are you afraid of the dark or something? <laughs> the Tale of the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Hmm. No, not for me. Not for me, dog. The cover <laughs> almost looks like a movie about somebody transitioning from Brad Pitt to Kate Blanchett. Yes, that's what it, <laughs> is is. What it looks like. Because they, you give a little contour to Brad Pitt and some highlighter. <laughs> I think he could. They could pass for each other. Because <laughs> if you took the two halves and you know, did that. Asymmetrical thing, the reverse of the poster. Oh, they yeah. Got, they yeah. got similar nose, similar mouth. Brad Pitt's got that chiseled jaw. She's got a nice little jaw. To, have we ever seen them in the same place at the same have. time, aside from this film? And he maybe was the aging maybe
0: The same person. Maybe. Maybe it's a movie about, you know. I saw Brad Pitt playing an elf in
1: Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, I saw, wait, that wasn't Brad Pitt? <laughs> Kate Blanchett was great in Seven. Yeah, <laughs> And an interview with a vampire really yeah. put off that role. <laughs> anyway, uh, where was? Uh, let's see. Twentieth uh, Century Fox decision to make Anton Bartok the film's antagonist was actually influenced by Alien and Aliens, uh, in which the evil Weyland Yutani company is the real villain, and Bartok and his company Bartok Industries, good name, uh, supplied Seth Brundle with the parts which Brundle used to construct the telepods. So that's the only reason they kind of made him like the big bad, so to speak which they I wouldn't I'm not going to say cleverly tried to hide tried to hide in the film uh, there was actually a, see, a scene taken out of the film which reveals why Bartok and his scientists couldn't get the telepods to work because my wife Autumn hadn't seen this ever and she's watching like she was just, her first thing was like it worked in the first one why is it not working now but there was a deleted scene which they should have left in which basically shows them because uh, Stathis takes the disc that Brundle had the, like kind of the, the the trick that he had like the last thing that he did to where he had this it backed up on so they had the they had the pot basically had the pods with no key for lack of a better way to explain uh which again that's not a scene that you should have taken out of the movie because it explains exactly why they can't get it to work Mm -hmm. uh speak oh actually i misspoke earlier the original choice to direct was actually none other than sam Raimi. Which would have been a much different film, sure. And it didn't work out because when they got into the talks with it, him and his brother Ted were working on the treatment for it, and the studio thought it got a little too wacky. But how great would it have been to have Sam Raimi do The Fly to with Bruce Campbell as the son of Jeff Goldblum? <laughs> that would have been amazing, absolutely amazing. That's on you know a different Earth. This is Earth six seven two. That's on Earth eight forty seven. Probably wouldn't have gotten
0: Darkman or Army of Darkness at that time.
1: That's true. You'd have been doing the fly too.
0: Well, it would have been came out and then maybe he's, that could have affected oh, his career. Oh, that's true. Now.
1: Well, it made money. So True. But I mean if I had to pick, I would much rather have Army of Darkness alone. Right. Dark Man's just a bonus and Darkman's awesome. Yeah. Where why is he not in the Marvel cinematic? Marvel needs <laughs> have the right I mean, Disney probably has the rights to Darkman. <laughs> I'd throw him in there and like uh, like a Disney Plus series where he interacts with Moon Knights. Um, Yeah. Dark Man 2. Wow. Oh, there's like four of them. Well, actually, I think maybe three. I've only seen the first two. Okay, yeah. Because in part two, and it's obviously not Liam Neeson. It's uh, Arnold Vosloo from Hard Target. But most common folk who are not Van Damme fans would know him as the mummy gotcha. from the Brendan Fraser films. But he was pick in Hard Target. A great foil to chance Boudreau, hmm. and as obviously the film was originally given an x rating however uh, mainly because of the elevator head crush which to me is tame honestly compared to the face melt yeah which is again the dude's on the ground still breathing for like five minutes as people are talking wondering where martin went and dude just sitting there breathing with his face still melting oh Horrible! Mm. It's that extent. You know, it's not just like, "Oh, he's dead." No, the dude is still alive on the ground. It's terrible. Mm. However, uh, director Chris Wallace appealed the decision, and they gave it. a They gave him a pass and gave it an R,
0: mm.
1: which blows my mind because you know, Friday Thirteenth around this time, we're heavily censored. When we're talking, when I say heavily, we're talking just a couple of seconds of you know body parts or you know multiple beatings of a person in a sleeping bag against a tree. This is a head being crushed, and as we... If you watched the podcast, you saw... And if you've seen the movie recently, you've seen in high def, most likely, if you watched it these days, just how well edited and how good that scene looks in terms of just the, whoa! Did not expect to actually see the head get crushed and gush blood out of the eyeballs. So... Yeah, they have the parents' guide on IMDb
0: that says, you know, once you click on the rating, how many counts... Severe violence and gore, (laughs) lots of counts of it. Yep. Mild alcohol, drugs, mild profanity. Only three uses of the word "fuck." That could be a PG thirteen these days. One use of the word "bastard," but then (laughs) everything else is frightening, intense scenes
1: and severe, severe.
0: That's funny. See, uh,
1: like the uh, just uh, the appearance of the creature in the final scene is extremely grotesque and disturbing. Well, I guess the final scene—I guess you could say that—but like when he's actually the fly, it could be something out of the Dark Crystal or a well, it's also
0: Like a Parents' Guide. So yeah, it's like they
1: want to. Well, some parents are stupid. True. <laughs> just, just yes. kidding. Stupid parents. <laughs> just <laughs> wink, wink. But uh, although, even though we was, we assumed this film was a success, The Fly Three was never made. However, there was a comic book sequel called The Fly Outbreak, which I tried to find through certain means but could not find it just yet in time to read it, because I wouldn't be interested in reading it for sure, which was not published, however, until 2015. Mm. Uh, It takes place years after The Fly 2, and it follows Martin Brundle as he attempts to actually cure Bartok of his mutant condition. So I find it odd. I guess he thought he suffered enough, so he then tries to reverse it somehow. So I think it's like a five-issue series. But if I ever get a chance to read it, I'll report back. But definitely, I mean, I think they could have done a third one somehow. Uh it makes sense in this world that there is this technology that obviously can work. And you know, it doesn't have to be about a mutant fly. I mean I don't know. I really don't know where you could go with it, I guess, but I mean, the right story could be great. You know, maybe they're trying they're mass they're mass producing it or something and I don't know, something goes wrong or but you can't keep having fl- you know, flies getting into the telepods with everybody. So I guess you really can't do a third <laughs> one. Happening. I mean, it have to be something really tied into the prequel the first one's much like the comic book apparently is. Body count for this one, Jesse, can't take a guess since you never seen it. Uh, even though I didn't ask you that like I normally do again. That's true. Let's go four. You would have prices right rules. You would have won. Maybe even both showcases. I just keep one. I'll be all five. right. Five. Hey, that's pretty good. Body count is five and one mercy killing of a poor little puppy. Oh, so I, I got then it was six it that. depends on if you count the dog you. or not but I mean Martin kills five people at the end of this film right. all the death is at the end of the film aside from the dog Okay, that's why like the last five minutes 20 minutes there's like a kill every five minutes mm. and again three of them are pretty grotesque oh and, I, oh, and speaking of uh, the scientist Dr. Leonard what's his name oh uh, Dr. Dr. Shepard uh, he's the one that uh, Martin flies dragging around by his necktie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's a scene where one of the security guards, I think the one that's about to get his face melted, he opens the door and he sees Martin stand. It's like a, it's a, to Wallace's credit. And again, I'm saying that sarcastically, Chris Wallace. Was it Chris? Yeah, Chris Wallace. Just because it's funny and makes me think of The Simpsons. Wallace. With Clinton. Clinton. <laughs> that's, what, that's, why, that's what I'm imitating when I do that, with Wallace. But anyway, uh, there's a great, uh, a creepy-ass scene where uh he opens a door and he sees Martin staring at him while holding Shepard. Mm-hmm. and it's like from the camera's point of view you're looking through the door so it's only like that much but it open it's well shot well choreographed I should say so when he opens it it's perfect and he just Martin just looks like right at the door which you know he's looking at the camera and then he just throws Shepard at the door Mm. And I mean he's obviously on wires, but it's it's that awkward, it looks so awkward and creepy yeah. that it has a fantastic effect. And but in it so when the body hits the door, it slams the door shut. Mm. Great little scene to Wallace's credit. Wallace. One of the better uh scenes in the film. Score wise. Again, it's kind of a theme for these, although I will say it will not be the theme for the next two. Let me phrase that one. <laughs> not for the next one, because I'm not sure if we're gonna be able to fit in uh the other sequelitis, one we were going to do due to the echo, but if we do, we do, if we don't, we don't. But there will definitely be at least one more. Uh, we'll see if we can get the other one in, but the only time we'll tell for that. If not, I'll save it for another one, right. but anyway. Uh, so for for the next plan for the next official film and the next possible one that we can fit in, that's not the issue, right? So it's really, uh, it's funny looking at these first three with the fly, uh, Fright Night and uh, Psycho 2. how... Again, all of them had so and there was again, again, and again, and again, and again, <laughs>
0: again. Oh, no. It never stops. He's in an endless loop. <laughs> uh,
1: you know, so great, you know, you have these pieces mm-hmm. and you just there's one one squeaky wheel. And for all three of them, Fright Night 2, really not Tommy Lee Wallace, because he's 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 a good director. I think he's done some stuff that's that's well done. I just think Fright Night 2, honestly, that's more script, I'd say. That was more of a script issue, a writing issue, because uh, it wasn't funny. Uh, Did say i say Tommy Lee Wallace? Yeah, not for this oh, one. That's, that that's one. the 2013 I'm one. about the wrong one. With the uh, lovely lady from, uh, I don't I forgot what she was from. Yeah, whatever she was from. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but definitely Psycho 2 and The Fly 2 both, I think, suffered from a directing issue to where some better direction in terms of the tension which is necessary for a horror film unless... Oh, no, it is, absolutely. Tension is a vital component to any good horror film. Yes. Uh, even, even in Fright Night, the original Fright Night, there's tension there where he's dancing with uh, Marcy Darcy and all that, you know, and he's Brewster's working his way towards him. There's, there, there, even though it's comedic and kind of silly by today's standards, there's mm-hmm. still a degree of tension there. Yeah. That's, you know, your hero has to be in peril in a horror movie. Everybody has to have some threat in a horror movie. If you don't have that... It's not a horror movie. It's a, yeah. I mean, then it's, then it is, then it's a scary movie. And by that, I mean, uh, Keenan Ivory Wayans directed scary movie. Mm. So, uh, and that's, and, and there are moments in Psycho 2 where there's tension. There are moments in The Fly 2 where there's tension. Again, the last act is great. That's, that's where we're moving from romantic sci-fi film into horror film. Aside from a few little things early on, you know, where the dogs in the telepod comes out, bites the dude's hand. That kind of thing, a couple of gore effects in the beginning, but that's it. But I mean that's not necessarily horror at that point. But then when it when the when this movie turns on the horror switch, it goes full tilt boogie with horror. Yeah. And that's they needed it needed to be more balanced. And that's all in Chris Wallace's hands. Wallace. So score wise, if the last 10 minutes didn't happen, I'd give it a I'd say IMDB's right on this one with the five, I believe it was. Uh but the last 10, 20 minutes of this film. Creepy. Some of the best practical effects in any 80s movie. And this is this is the end of the 80s. This is 89, uh, what did I say, February, February 10th, 1989. Mm-hmm. Tail end of the 80s. Uh, and it show. I mean, it shows in terms of like the effects. Uh, I, I have to look at a, a list of movies released in the early, you know, after this in the 90s. But this was this was probably one of the last in terms of a horror film that I could think of off the top of my head. I would say a benchmark in terms of like, you know, you got American werewolf in London, the thing, uh, what I'm missing in the 80, you know, uh, in terms of big practical effect, horror effects, I should say, I put this in the, in that same category, uh, the, the original flies, uh, the original fly, uh, being there too. Uh, and this one, this, this one stayed true to the original with the effects. Of course you have the Oscar winning guy directing and also doing the effects. Should have focused mainly on the effects, get an actual season director. You know, that five might be on IMDb might at least be a six or a seven, I'd say. It's all in, you know, it's the director's vision that comes to the screen and his vision was a little too well lit and a little too, I don't know, not quite in the same vein as the original. Hmm. So, again... Damn it! I want. I can't stop as I was saying that stupid damn word. Uh, anyway, it's uh, much. I am because I, I made a big deal about it. Right. I made a big deal about it, so now it's just my brain, just like oh, saying it again gonna, and again gonna, and again. You're gonna, you're gonna keep doing it. It's so. It's a, I have a mental tick when it comes to that. Yep. But it, it, much like the other ones, so much potential, not wasted because if you, ha- it's worth watching if you like the first one. It's worth watching alone just for the gore scenes. Although, if you don't want to watch the movie, save yourself some time. Go to YouTube, like we showed in the bottom, on a little VHS. Pop out. Yeah, uh, you can pretty much see the kill scenes on there. Yeah. So if you just want to check out the gore scenes, that's fine. Although, again, God damn it! I can't. It just comes out so fast. You scared someone
0: driving with that like, one. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> but anyway, um, I'd say that again. Again, anyway. God damn it! That takes me off. Well, you'll get better at it. It's okay.
1: Well, it's, it's cause I'm talking fast is the problem. I mean, My we brain's... just started
0: doing this podcast, so
1: yeah. Well, you know, we did 200 some episodes <laughs> in like a month, right? Know, so, and it's been like t- yeah. uh, six years. Still years. fresh. Absolutely. So, <laughs> continuing in the real world. Oh, uh, because of the last act, I would say this film's a seven. Because only, uh, only because of the end. If I watch this again, <laughs> I don't need to watch the beginning or the middle. I'd watch the end, and it's got enough creepiness and gore to like. Yep, I'm good. Watch Fly One. Last 30 minutes. Fly Two. On to the next series or whatever I want to watch. So, literally, I'll give it two points just for the last act. As a whole, you know, if I couldn't, if if you don't want to, if you want to be honest, like in terms of, of, you know, the auteur score, what would Spielberg, what would Scorsese or Francis Ford Coppola give this one? I'd give it a one because it's garbage. It's like like Marvel movies. This is just stupid.
0: Just being facetious. They've been hating on those.
1: Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm, I'm, in this, in the 80s, when you had, when Slasher was king for the entire decade, pretty much. Uh, that was the cinematic universe of the 80s, was horror slashers. Uh, so I'm sure somebody said plenty of shit about that. Under Siskel and Niebuhr did, for mm-hmm. sure, because they hated them. Most of them, although they loved Halloween. Good on them. Uh, but in the real world, this this uh, movie again premiered on February 10th, 1989. Ron Brown is elected chairman of the DNC, becoming the first African American to lead a major United States political party. Hmm. And unfortunately, political parties still suck in this country. <laughs> So. Oh, he died in Croatia, 1996. What, what a, was it? A see what see why? That's not like obviously that's a it's strange, strange place, place to, die. to die. I mean, was it a terrorist type attack or something? Or um,
0: oh, here we go. 54 uh, died on a plane. Oh,
1: plane crash. Yeah. You know there now I remember that now. Now that I think about it. I'm hearing about that
0: mm. when I think my brain. Yeah, 1996, to work. Croatia, USAF plane crash, CT43.
1: Than, uh, yeah.
0: Everyone is killed instantly except for Sergeant Shelly Kelly. Shelly sounds like she's a, a. It could be a dude. Let's not assume their gender, Jesse. Well, uh, it's a she. Right? Uh, never mind. I missed that part. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't it? I thought it did. I don't know. Either I way, remember. it sounds like someone from a did, uh, Marvel comic. Yeah,
1: like Shelly Kelly. Sergeant Shelly Kelly. <laughs> did Did they die though, yeah, or she did they did. afterwards? Yep, oh, being see transported. oh, a flight attendant. So it probably yep. was. <laughs> well, now you're assuming. <laughs> <laughs> you, can take the, the, you can take the person out of the 80s, but you can't take the 80s out of the person. <laughs> let's, just, let's just say Vegas odds of a person named Shelly. Right. And it is, and they're saying they're a flight attendant. They yeah, they absolutely could be male, but I'm going to put on my common sense hat <laughs> And if I had to place a bet on red or black, I'm putting it on the one that's for female. Right. That is an educated guess if I had to guess <laughs> that. That is not a stereotype, just a guess. But I'm pretty sure I'm right. And we're going to try to find out right now. Because <laughs> yeah, everything does, nothing is describing the gender of this person that we're no, talking about. because
0: they're like, we're not even sure.
1: <laughs> well, in a plane um, crash, you can't tell. <laughs> It's like Vin Tramer in Halloween too. He's burned burned to bits. So they had to do dental records. Yeah, they're, they're Those, not saying anything Michael about Michael Myers was
0: twenty one. Shelly Kelly. All these other people.
1: We'll figure it out one day. And I'll either be I'll be ridiculed or just, or justified. Hmm. Anyway, Back to the Future this week. Haven't seen too much, uh, although I did get I uh, did watch the new scary story. The, or the, let me phrase that: the adaptation of scary stories to tell in the dark. I was so excited uh, when this film was announced. Del Toro was producing, unfortunately not directing, uh, and it sucks. So there's your review for that. Uh, I read the stories as a kid, loved them. Visually, you know, there are practical effects in this film. They look good. But it's still very, you know, I was hoping it'd be a little, like a hard PG-13, if that makes sense, like something actually scary, uh, much like, you know, certain scenes that we had in films as a kid that scared you. This one, you know, aside from the big fat woman walking towards a kid in the film, that was the only really creepy thing. Shelly Kelly's a she. <laughs> anyway. See, I didn't assume the gender. I knew that. I was just saying, who was going to get mad and send me an email? Right. And you probably already sent it. It's true. Because you got so ir- irate <laughs> that I said that. I was just testing you. You assumed yep. my ignorance. Fuck she you. Will, she will be missed. <laughs> Absolutely. That's. I mean, that's That's a horrible, I would never, that's a, you know, horrible, right. horrible, horrible way to die. So, yeah, that's the only real thing I've seen. I've uh, been watching the Creep show show on Shudder. It's been entertaining, to say the least. Uh, not as good as the segments in the actual films, I'd say, but still great, fun, bite-sized horror, 30, 40-minute episodes, in and out, uh you know works really good some good to see some familiar faces that pop up in them uh so and then uh we're recording this on Thursday the 20 what's it? 24th yeah 24th uh tomorrow night Joe Bob comes back on shutter hosting his Halloween Hoot Nanny so you know as you're waiting for that you know you can listen to all of our Halloween Hoot Nannies that we've been doing for many years. Go back and check our old ones out. Uh they're all on iTunes. Uh, I don't think any of them, maybe last year's might be. Well, <laughs> some of last year's are definitely on YouTube since we didn't finish them until this year. Uh, some of the old ones might be on there too. If you prefer to YouTube, see how much we've aged over the course of what a <laughs> podcast does to a body. No kidding. Uh, but they're all on uh, iTunes and everything. So check those out to keep you in the Halloween spirit. Uh, don't, uh didn't get any emails this week after last week. So I guess we did a really good job because nobody had anything to say. I'll take that as a win uh if you got something to say about me assuming uh Shelly Kelly's gender you can email me at 80srevisited at gmail.com <laughs> or eighties underscore revisited on uh instagram uh facebook 80s Revisited podcast F- sure something like just search it it'll come up <laughs> you'll see the logo uh obviously that, on youtube yeah this I mean, episode's on twitch so you can find we're so you can good check at it this out. whole uh branding thing branding social media thing we're gen xers we don't we kind of know what we're doing but we secretly still don't know what we're doing we know how to use google but we don't have to ask anybody how to do it we can figure it out somebody else what the fuck yeah somebody made it when when does that can you see when that page was incorporated
0: well they have the at 80s revisited
1: motherfucker
0: two thousand i don't know how old it is but it's inactive Oh well, Peach created
1: October twelfth, twenty thirteen. Jesse, when was our first episode? Two thousand eleven, sometime. Somebody stole our shit. I guess we didn't make the. Uh, we didn't. Well, page. I guess when we started this podcast, oh, awesome, it was all about awesome pods. Yeah, it was all under that, so we didn't need to worry about that. You snooze, you lose. <laughs> McFly. That's okay. We have
0: eighties revisit uh, Twitch.tv/slash eighties revisited. There you no go. No one beat us to that.
1: Yeah, the future is ours. <laughs> we control the future now as long as this is Keep the your facebook page <laughs> yeah. twitch is ours that's right we open the box and now <laughs> we have such 80s movies to show you <laughs> but anyway uh if you like our podcast check out the something something podcast network our good friend ben the tasmanian devil wyatt down in tasmania obviously since i gave him that nickname because of that not because he talks like blah, blah. right uh Check out the podcasts he does. Some fantastic stuff on there. I am so far behind on his stuff right now. Uh, I can't remember if the last episode that I listened to. It's been so long. And also, if, if you like Twitch, check out Jesse's wife on Melissa Sings and Jesse and his wife, Melissa, on iHeartboardGames. That's right. Twitch.tv
0: like, slash HeartboardGames. Leave the I out because there's no I in board games that's right
1: <laughs> but there is one in showtime yeah that's true I don't know and Twitch and, which and is Twitch. where you can find them and also uh, all the I heart stuff is on uh, or iHeart uh, game stuff is on uh, YouTube as well that's true that's how that I watch I it because my games. smart TV doesn't have Twitch but it has YouTube so I can watch them oh, on my TV yeah. on
0: YouTube so right now we're going through the Betrayal Legacy series on which YouTube one uh, it's it the it a legacy game that you can probably see behind Trey if you're watching us live. Yeah. Yeah, that one. It's like a, you know, legacy game means it has a starting and an ending.
1: So, yeah, we
0: finished it, though. It's good good stuff. Awesome.
1: Much like this podcast has an ending, which is coming up All right, right now. now. <laughs> so next week, uh, let me see. Okay. Since... I really don't think, because we got a Halloween party this weekend and the next week's Halloween stuff with my child, so we're more than likely not going to get to the film that we would have done, the fifth film. I'm just going to go ahead and say that just so we don't have to try to stress over it. (laughs) So if miracles happen, maybe. We'll see. But if not, we'll see you on Halloween for a film involving Sygenosophobia. Sygenosophobia. And this is the last film that we're doing. It's going to be live on Halloween. As in, you'll be able to watch it on Halloween, I should say. So if you listen to any of the other episodes so far, you should know pretty much what it is. It doesn't take a rocket scientist or a genius or an electrician at a power plant. There's another hint Mm. to figure it out. One of the best characters in the film, by the way, which we'll get to next time. Most likely on 80s revisited. Happy Halloween, everybody. We'll see you next week. Until then, I remain Trey Harris. Yes, he said Julie. Cowabunga!